0: Hi everyone, I'm Kelly Pokies-Burke, and this is the Career Slay Podcast. Imagine the impact we could have on society if everyone loved what they did. That's what Career Slay is all about. I'm interviewing people who love their jobs and asking them how they got there and what they've learned along the way. We're here to slay the fear in career. I'm super excited to welcome Camille Owain. She was an English middle school language arts teacher for the past six years, but has been in learning, strategic, and leadership development over the last 10 years. She recently switched careers and is now the learning experience designer for an HR consulting firm. She's really passionate about equitable access to education and continues to be a part-time coordinator for a scholarship program for underserved families. Welcome to Career Slay, Camille. Thank you, Kelly. I'm so happy to be here. So we go way back. Way
1: back. I was 13 years old when I met you, so.
0: Wow. So we met through a youth group. Yes. And our families are very close, and they're still very close to to this day. I order your mother's egg rolls. But to bring our listeners along, you've got an interesting story to tell. So why don't we go to the very beginning? I was born and raised in the
1: Philippines, and my family moved here when I was 10 years old. And I think that actually, without knowing it, was going to set the trajectory of my life. Thinking back to the decisions I made, education and career-wise, they were all kind of shaped because of what I had experienced being an immigrant here in America as a child.
0: Yeah, so tell me more about that experience.
1: When we were moving here, we were on a dependent visa, which meant that we came here fully financially dependent on my dad's job. And in our attempt to... uh, transition out of that and to change that, we ran into a lot of problems. And for anyone who has tried (laughs) to become a citizen of this country, they know just what it takes. I think I remember reading something like the US is the only country where you need a lawyer to interpret the immigration laws and lawyers cost money. And so we kind of fell into a catch-22 situation where in order for us to afford the change in our status, we had to have jobs. But in order for us to have jobs, we needed a change in our status. And because we were faced with that hardship, my parents really instilled the value of education. It was our inheritance. And it was also my key to freedom. It was my way out of the situation.
0: Awesome. So let's take a step back. There's so much to unpack there. And thank you so much for sharing your story. It's, it's a beautiful one. So going back to high school, you had a different experience than your siblings because of the scholarships that you received. So tell us a little bit more about that. I went to public school and I had
1: a teacher who called me at the end of my freshman year saying, I found someone who's willing to sponsor your education for high school. Are you willing to to change? I kid you not, I turned around, there was like a big sign and it says, one, two, three, go. So I was like, Yeah, I'm down, you know, and not really even thinking what it meant. All I knew was this is a good school and I want to get into a good college and then help my parents and my family.
0: You and I went to the same high school. Yes, we did. So we went to Bishop Lynch in Dallas and it's a fantastic school. So happy that you were able to go there. Ironically enough,
1: as I'm receiving scholarships to go to these prestigious schools, I found myself my junior year thinking to myself, I can't even work. I don't have a work permit. What is the point of all these people investing in my education? And what is the point of me working hard, right? I think it was my petty move to America. I was like, fine, you don't want me to be a contributing non-citizen? I'm going to school to study what I want to study. Thus, my decision to pursue theology in Spanish. because so I wasn't going to make any money. So what was the one thing that I would be willing to do, even if I didn't get paid for it? Talk about Jesus. The youth ministry that we grew up in, it was the place that allowed me to develop my professional skills without asking me for government-issued IDs, without saying, hey, you need this kind of status in order to work on your customer service skills, your leadership skills, your public speaking skills. So I wanted to pursue something in that realm because it was that realm that I didn't feel limited.
0: After high school, where did you end up going to college? I ended up attending the University
1: of Dallas. Like I said, I was sitting in you know, my junior year thinking, well, if I can't work, then I'm going to study something that I want. And my guidance counselor was saying, oh, you have to go to a private university, Catholic university. And then I looked up the tuition and I was like, oh, that's different from what I was looking at originally. And so that then presented me another block Like, I can't even do what I want to do because, again, of that money issue. So I went to my English teacher at the time, and I told her, I can't do anything. What's my future going to look like? And she told me, don't stop. Like, keep going. Tell people what you need because these are man-made social constructs, right? Go tell someone. Went to my Spanish teacher, told her the same thing. She goes to, actually, she goes to President Leiden, and she had me meet with him and tell him, And then he went to the president of UD at the time, Mm because I think his kid was attending Bishop Lynch too. So they knew each other. And then the president of UD met me and said, what do we need to do to help you stay here?
0: Wow. That's a incredible demonstration of grit and perseverance and just like figuring out what you want and going for it. Well, I just kept pushing until
1: someone said no and no one said no. Money should not be the reason why I can't do something. It was an experience that I think was crucial to me being where I am today because of that support that I got from my guidance counselors, from my teachers.
0: So you get to UD. You already knew you wanted to study theology and Spanish. What was the reason for Spanish? There was a scholarship, and I had to
1: keep taking Spanish courses in order to qualify for the scholarship. But also, when we first moved here, it was the Hispanic community that really welcomed my family. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I grew up with my friends and their parents speaking Spanish. And I wanted to be able to go back and speak Spanish to their families and also just really understand that culture better. Because, again, it was that culture that embraced ours. And it was almost just an act of gratitude.
0: Oh, that's super cool. Did you have a plan after you finished college?
1: Yes. So I... All my college career, by the way, I still had no idea if I was going to be able to work. And it wasn't until we were able to obtain our work permits my senior year, that's when I was finally able to say, oh, I can look for jobs here and and there. I've always wanted to be a teacher. And I think like a Catholic school teacher more specifically, because of my experience with my teachers in Catholic school, it was this small teacher to student ratio that really allowed families to be a community with the educators. But I felt like I hadn't had that experience. During college, I wasn't able to work, so I couldn't do student teaching or any of that. And so I looked at, I I went back to that quote, I think Aristotle said it, where he said, where your talents and the needs of the world meet, there lies your vocation. And I was looking at what was needed at the time and what what I was able to offer. So I did full-time pastoral ministry work with the community that we grew up in. And that was actually a decision that surprised me too. For those who aren't really aware, what does pastoral ministry entail? So pastoral ministry is about helping churches or religious groups identify, sort of like consulting where you go to a group and you help them identify what they need to do in order to meet their goals, right, to grow. And in a religious sense, that's really evangelization, but I mainly focus on the younger ministries. And so I would train leaders, help them develop their public speaking skills, and also provide, you know, teachings about Christ so that they can learn more. And it wasn't just, oh, we're all here with our friends, let's hang out. But Here's actually what you can learn more about the church, your faith, and really solidify your beliefs.
0: And so so how long did you do that for? I did that for two years. Okay. How did you eventually find your way into teaching? After ministry work, I came home
1: and started just throwing out my resumes. And I knew somebody from the school I eventually would teach at. It was October, which is rare for schools to have openings because the school year has begun. And she said, our teacher had left. We're looking for an English teacher. But I said, well, I, I took so many English classes, I could teach English. And so this was going to be like my first year in the classroom. But for some reason, I wasn't even nervous. So what was
0: being an English middle school teacher like? That sounds
1: <laughs> like a lot. There's the English part and then there's the middle school part and <laughs> um, Actually, it was my dream to be an English middle school teacher just because I love to read and I love empathizing with the character. So I feel like there were a lot of opportunities to teach like social emotional learning. It's kind of like how parents puree vegetables so the kids would take it. So that was like English for me. I pureed a lot of topics and blended it in with literature. But the middle school part was, I think that's the part that gave me the most sense of purpose at work because I was able to be with these kids day in and day out. We spent more time with each other than we did with our own families. So problems they had, I knew about it. Conflict resolution, I dealt with it. I would sit two teenage girls who were beef in one week and then like best friends the next and asking them, what do you look for in a friend? Things like that, that I feel like adults need to, you know, from time to time. But that again gave me that sense of, wow, I'm supposed to be here. I belong here. And this is work that is making
0: a difference that I can see every single day. So you did that for six years. Yes, It sounds like you had a lot of passion for it. Tell me what happened.
1: It was really the, the pandemic. And I hate that that sounds so cliche, but it, it was that when, when the pandemic hit us, teachers, I, I'm not alone in this, and many teachers found themselves just trying to recreate the wheel or build the plane and fly it at the same time to figure out how are we going to teach these students in this new world that we're in? So I remember when they told us schools were closing down for the year, it's like, we need to build an online platform where students can learn. And teachers were not trained to do this. A lot of the skills that I was able to use to create an e-learning, emergency learning platform were from days that I built my MySpace page, you know, like,
0: <laughs> Whoa, it, was go like back.
1: it was like my my millennial side w- was coming out Zenga. and y- <laughs> yes, all the coding. I, why didn't I go into code? That's a different story, but I, I used those skills and we ended up training teachers to also utilize Zoom, Teams, things like that. And So wait,
0: you were... Because there's like no
1: IT person. No. If students had problems, they called you. I would work from like eight to eight. And, you know, and then teachers also, we didn't have like a counselor who who we can go to and be like, this is a mess, you know. So Uh we call each other. So I think that really heightened the stress levels and that started to take a toll on my body Mm -hmm. and my health. Mm -hmm. And I ignored it for like two years. Yeah that's when I started to realize I love this job so much and have so much passion for it. And I do have a sense of purpose and belonging here. But why do I feel like I need to start thinking about a different career path?
0: Yeah. I mean, I can absolutely relate to that. And I know you know my story, but I can't help but think that, you know, the stress of my career, my job, what I was doing must have played into how my body was reacting and the signals it was giving me. So I completely understand that. And it's a, it's a hard decision to make, right? Yes. Cause I went to the doctor several times to try to see,
1: okay, what is wrong? And she said, well, your tests are coming up negative. Maybe it's stress. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just create a better work-life balance Go to school only in my contracted hours. Do as as little as possible. Quite quit. (laughs) Yes, I was like, oh, I was doing that before I even knew it was a thing. But not because like I hated my job, but I was trying to be healthy enough to love my to be the best at my job. And because that's what it took to be healthy enough to do the job, I started losing that sense of purpose. Yeah, like I'm just here to catch emails and try to chase students with their homework and it was starting to really conflict with my idea of what a good teacher looks like and I wanted to be a good teacher for the kids.
0: Yeah so when did you decide to make that shift and what did you decide to do after? So when I realized that my
1: health wasn't getting better and I kept getting advice maybe it's stress I had to say okay let's go ahead and just take a break or let's consider a different career path because unfortunately I can't afford to not work at this Mm -hmm. time, you know? And it was scary. Yeah. And every time I'd like type up my resume, I'd get like little panic attacks. Like, am I going to love another job as much as I love this? Is another job ever going to give me that sense of fulfillment that I got from teaching? You know, just a lot of unknown and uncertainty there.
0: It's definitely hard to walk away from something you love so much but then also you have to realize what's best for yourself and I think a common theme that we found is just taking that risk yes I felt like
1: in order to mitigate these panic attacks I said to myself just one step at a time just get your resume done no pressure just get your resume done and then okay now like let's look for jobs and reach out and I actually reached out to someone who I worked with now I'm Annalise and she shout out to Annalise and she common friend (laughs) and she gave me really good advice and she said list your strengths list your weaknesses list what you can offer to a place because I feel like teaching is such a such a niche you know it's like niche but also very broad correct but I had to learn how to like translate different skills where it's Mm -hmm. like classroom management.
0: Okay, well, conflict resolution. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Collaborating with, you yes. know,
0: cross-functional exactly. integration. Yes.
1: And so that's when I realized there's so much more that I can do with the skills that I have. And then she calls me back the next day and she's like, "Actually, I also moved recently. We have an opening. Do you want to apply?" The power of the network. I'm saying it's who you know, <laughs> I who you know has gotten me through life. Yes. Like through my entire professional career. And there's no shame in that. I think a lot of people feel like, that no, the I, I I, must do it on my, own. well, sometimes you have to do what you got to do, you know? And um, yeah. she said, okay, here, come for an interview. And I was nervous. I was like, this is real. Like I, I got to actually go to an interview now. Then I told myself, it's just an interview. Like no one's making you yeah. decide right now. It's just an interview. Yeah, and I said, oh, I need to get practice anyway. So I, I went to the interview. I'd like to think I killed it because I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like things were lining up. And despite my nervousness and my fear of the unknown, I was like, this has to be it, yeah. right? This has to be the new path for me because it just worked out. And what was the job position? The job position was actually for a project coordinator. But when I went in for my interview, they realized this girl has other skills. And so they offered me a different position.
0: That's amazing. And I think, so I've done a lot of interviewing and one of the biggest things is knowing how to tell your story, knowing your strengths and where you want to go and how you can utilize those strengths to translate that into something else. And if you know yourself so well, then people are going to see that too. And they're going to be able to connect the dots of like what value you can bring and what they need to fill on their team. So that's amazing.
1: It really was eye-opening for me. I feel like I've always ad- applied for jobs where I was just needed. So it didn't matter what I brought to the table because I was I was there, right? I was a body to do the job. Not that my my other jobs really valued me only as a body to do the job, but this was the first time where I felt seen for more than just fulfilling a spot or fulfilling a need.
0: And that's important for people who are trying to transition from one career to the next. I think a lot of people feel boxed into what you've done before, but it's not about what you've done before. It's about who you are as a person, what your strengths are and what value you can deliver. Absolutely.
1: And I didn't even realize that I could grow in all these other ways and I could utilize skills that I hadn't used in so long You haven't actually
0: told us. What is it that you do now? So So
1: I am currently the learning experience designer for Keras by KJE, and we specialize in DEI training. For those that don't know, what is DEI? DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And my job is to design courses. So to simplify the task, I create lessons that people can learn from to solve their own problems. (laughs) And their problems are really about how to treat each other with more respect and dignity in the workplace. Wow, so
0: you're <laughs> taking the lessons that you taught your sixth graders. exactly, And creating programs for working professionals. Yes. Can you talk a little bit more about like what are some of the learning topics that you create content for?
1: So a lot of the learning topics in DEI have to be scaffolded, right? You don't give a training and say, let's not be racist today. So the learning topics actually also go beyond race. It really goes into people's unconscious biases Mm -hmm. and also realizing their own impact in the workplace, meaning, oh, I can make a difference if I want to change the culture of my workplace with my words, with my actions, with how I treat people. So we scaffold our learning, meaning we make sure that we start with foundational topics, And then we get to the more micro learning Mm -hmm. stuff, right? Race equity, culture change, and all that. Our company is really big on cultural transformation. And I think it was that value that resonated with me where I felt like this is what the world needs right now.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I'm so happy that you found something that you find fulfillment in. It seems like passion and purpose have been such an integral part of the decisions that you've made throughout your career. Tell us why that's so important to infuse that into your career. It was my passion that gave me a sense
1: of purpose in my workplace. And I wish I could tell myself a couple months ago and say, don't worry about where you're going next because your passion is within you. You could be just making sandwiches all day, but if you're a passionate person, you're gonna find purpose in that. It was learning about how to make the place your place and own it and say, I'm going to plant myself here and see how I can grow. And if the place allows me, then I'll continue here. But if it doesn't, then I got to find a new a new pot to grow in. Right.
0: You have been saying that for years. Yes. You ha- I remember on maybe your MySpace page, <laughs> you said something like bloom or your are planted. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's always stuck with me. So I-, I-, I think that's beautiful. This has been such an insightful conversation, Camille. I am so excited for you. And I love your journey and the story that you've told. Looking back, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Relax. <laughs>
1: I think there is so much pressure at that age where you have to figure out what your future looks like, what it's going to be, and you have to decide right now. And what I'm learning now in this position or having gone through that career transition, you define your workplace and it's not the other way around. And there was a lot of pressure as a 20-year-old to feel like, what do I need to be in order to fit the mold of a teacher or in order to you know do xyz and i feel like that really limits a person from being able to explore and even express themselves authentically because you want to fit a certain role and so that's what i would tell myself relax live your life gain these life experiences and instead of deciding your future decide who you are today because my mom always says today is the future so I'm always like, what do you do? How do you know what's coming in, in 20 years? She said, well, how are you today? That's what you're going to bring into your future. If you want your future to be good, be good today.
0: Wow. Decide who you are today. Love it. And finally, we ask everyone this. If you had to sum up your career in three words, what would they be? I would have to say transformative learning experience.
1: Literally, it's my job. <laughs> but also... That's what the whole experience has been for me. It's really transformed me. And I don't think into someone new, but really into just more of who I really want to be and who I want people to see me as.
0: Wow. Thank you so much, Camille. This has been such an amazing conversation. Thank you, Kelly. So many good insights. I'm very, very excited for you. And hopefully that you can bring that purpose and that passion into other organizations and teach people how to love their jobs. Thank you. I really enjoyed it too. The Career Slay Podcast is a co-production of Career Slate and Wild Reply, produced by Michael Burke. Stay tuned for some great conversations on slaying the fear in career.